Hello and welcome into the Conifer Community Church Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Wesley Humes. Back at you again. I want to say welcome in. Uh, we're here in the lab hanging out. I got a special guest with me today. We're going to have another conversation with me and Lance Swearington. Lance, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Fantastic. Hanging in there. Gosh, it's Frustration so- over technology, but uh, you know... Everything seems to be working all right right now. Perfect. Well, you know, I think that's an interesting lead in to what we just what we're going to talk about today. So, uh, for those of you who are playing at home, we got in. We were about ready to record and spent two hours trying to figure out why something wasn't working. All of a sudden, it popped up, and then you know, it was it was changed. Everything was changed. Like magic. It was miraculous. It truly was because I told you <laughs> that the only digital could- miracle. I only had to the constructive criticism to unplug it and plug it back in, and it worked on the 50th time that we tried that. Yes. But one of the things that we are going to be talking about today is something that we all are experiencing, uh, not just within COVID times, but within our lifespans, um, and that is the sudden loss or loss and grieving and uh, just hardships that come with being human in our own humanity in that, you know, the, the old joke of you will be born, you will pay taxes, and you will die is um, the reality that we all face on some level. And so uh, Pastor Lance has been kind enough to come with us on this journey and has been able to sit down. He's going to sit down with us, and we're going to talk about your own grief, your own loss, and your own experience within this whole realm. Um, And yeah, uh, I kind of want to just throw it to you, let you set the stage of what you're going to be talking about and kind of the interview we're going to go through today as we talk about grief and loss, both in your situation and in situations that even come up today. Yeah. Thanks, Wes. Um, you know, I guess the the way to intro it is is just as Wes did, we all go through grief. We all have loss um, and, and dealing with death and particularly death of, of someone that is close to us can be a very, very difficult thing. And, the, and there's so many facets to it. There's so many... Um, there's so many different experiences. Every, every grief situation is unique. And, and so mine is, um, though there will be probably commonalities that people as they listen will, um, hear, oh yeah, I went through that. Oh, I still go through that. Um, it's still different and unique for every single person that, um, that walks through loss. And, and a lot of that has to do with, with how the loss happens, um, mm-hmm. what is taking place, um, and, and how you process it, where you find hope, where you find um, comfort and, and the strength to, to move forward in life. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, grief is, is difficult. Yeah, and I, and I, I think it's because it also has a interesting thing. So within my own story and my own life of grief, I think there's been an interesting uh, correlation of, if you remember the movie, remember the Titans, whenever sunshine comes in, Coach uh, Boone tells him that he was the youngest of a family of 12. It was actually eight, spoiler alert. Uh, but all the all the people were looking up to him to make the best choice for the family. And I know for me, I'm the youngest in my family. Um, and my own story of grief is when my grandfather passed away a couple years ago. Um, it seemed like all eyes kind of turned towards me. Um, so I went from 
being the youngest and the baby to all of a sudden being asked to preach my grandfather's funeral and even do some great side stuff all on the drop of a hat. Um, and so grief has an interesting thing of changing up our reality that we once knew. And there is no, there is no going back to normal. That's one thing that I feel like we, or I've had conversations with in the past that there is no normal. Yeah. Nothing, nothing is ever the same as it was. It's, I mean, that is, uh, loss, loss does that. It it changes the game and mm. changes perspective. In some ways, it gives you a new perspective. In some ways, it it uh, you feel the regret and the loss of of what you won't ever be able to go back to again. Wow. And that's and that's tough. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the podcast about establishing a new normal and what that can look like for you who's sitting at home. Um, but yeah, I think the best way to get into this conversation or at least continue to move forward in it is to, you know, talk about our own grief and loss experiences. Um, and so Lance, I'm going to let you kind of set that stage and, all right, uh, sure. Yeah. If you want to lead into that, that'd be great. Um, the, uh, so thinking back over, over my life, there were some, significant people that have passed away along along the course of my life um i have i've had all of my grandparents all four grandparents um have been a part of my life and i have lost them and and walked through that and you know varying degrees of of difficulty with each one of those i've had friends that have passed away and family friends that have passed away a lot of um, uh, uh, just a lot of folks just, um, and, and it seems like there are seasons of it that take place. Um, and, and, you know, there's another piece of it as well. If it's someone that may be famous, somebody that you kind of followed along with and, and we feel the grief of, of loss in their lives as well, whenever, um, someone that we have watched even from a distance, but probably the one that has had the most impact on me um, happened about six years ago. It was in April of 2014, and um, got a call from my mom on a Sunday night. And um, when that call came through, mom said, we're um, headed to the hospital. Um, Dad is, is not feeling well. And I, you know, I can't remember the details of that specific conversation. Um, I do remember my own reaction is I thought, oh, he's overreacting or he's got some anxiety or, you know, something that is, is he's just paranoid about. Hmm. And, and so they ended up in the hospital that night and, and were, they were discharged. Um, and then in the morning I got the next phone call from them, which was, um, we're back in the hospital and, um, dad is not doing well and um, you need to talk with the doctors and and let's let's talk about what's what's going on and and what they're figuring out so it was it was kind of a rapid unfolding of of difficulty Uh, we found out that he had an aneurysm on the aortic valve of his heart and um, Hmm. so it had it had dissected and and so with that, the doctor, um, I remember very distinctly that morning, the doctor got on the phone with me and he said, um, he said, there is a good chance that your dad will die. 
Um, and, and when he told me that, that was just, um, that was, that was tough to hear. Um, but then my mind started racing of, of what are the things that I need to do? What are, what's my responsibility? What do I, um, what do I have to, where do I have to be? Um, and so after I got off the phone with the doctor there, I, uh, Melanie came into the room and, and she saw that I was, I was pretty shaken. And, uh, I told her, I said, we got to book a plane ticket. I've got to get down to Atlanta. And, um, they're, they're taking dad to Emory hospital in Atlanta. And, um, I'm going to meet them there and, and, and hopefully they're going to be able to do some surgery and, and get this, this valve fixed. Mm-hmm. But, um, cause it's not a quick plane ride for those of you who may not know the geography of the United States. So we live here in Denver, Colorado, and that's where Lance was when all this happened was all of a sudden he got his life turned upside down and then had to get on a plane for several hours to fly down into Atlanta. Yep. So. It was about four hour, four hour flight. So, you know, a couple hours to book the flight, get to the airport, four hours or so, or four hours, four hours in the air, maybe. That's close enough. Something Sounds like good. that. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I got to the, I got to the hospital in the evening. I don't even remember really what time, um, we had gotten there. Um, but, uh, my father-in-law picked me up from the airport, took me over to the hospital, and and that's where I met mom. and And she had some friends with her, friends of the family that had gone up to be in the hospital with mm. him. Wow! So <sighs> that's tough. Like I even yep. feel this in this moment um, of sitting in the room with you. That's a very tender moment. So first of all, thank you for sharing that with us. Sure. What was kind of your, um, if you remember, what were your feelings was it just numbness like what was the plane ride like the plane ride was um was was okay it was you know i was i just kind of got some got some movies and and i wasn't sure what i i wasn't sure what i was walking into you know yeah. i mean everything was was okay when we took off and everything was was okay when i got to atlanta as well mm. um and, you know, I had, I had heard him in the background a little bit and, and, um, just his voice, but, but we hadn't, um, we hadn't talked since the Sunday afternoon before. Um, so it'd been about 24 hours or so since I, since I talked to him Yeah. and, um, so anyways, it, yeah, everything was, was okay. And I, it, you know, just kind of that, all right, I got to get there. I got to be there with mom. I've got to mm. um, make sure that, you know, anything post-op I need to help take care of, you know, it was still, it was not, it, it nothing, you know, the, death was not necessarily an option in my mind at that point. Yeah. Um, it, I, I know the doctor had told me that, but it, it but it wasn't, I, I didn't expect to walk into that. Yeah. Um, and even, even we got there, I had, I had a meal and, uh, we came back to sit down and, and wait for the, the post-op, um, report from the doctors and the doctors came in and they were very, um, when they came into the waiting room, they were very solemn and they just kind of waved over to us and said, and said, let's go over to this room and talk. So we went in and we sat down in that room and, um, they basically, things get a little bit fuzzy around, around this point. Yeah. Um, but I do remember, 
the um, they they were describing what had happened in the operating room. So they they were just describing medically what had taken place. And I remember stopping them at some point after they'd been talking for it seemed like forever, but it was probably only like a minute or two. I remember stopping them and looking at them and just asking the question, are you telling me that my dad died? Like, I, I just needed wow. to hear that just abruptly stated. Yeah. And, and we can figure out the details later. But if that's what they were saying, then that changes the entire narrative of, of everything that, that we were um, that we were going through. Yeah. So, and, and he said, he said, yes. And so then from there, it was, it was all pretty fuzzy. You know, we had to make phone calls and, and that type of thing, but yeah, just all the arrangements and everything that goes uh, along with that. Yep. All the arrangements the next few days, it was, it was tough. A lot of tears, um, a lot of, um, just kind of reflecting over life. There was, there was some anger. There was, um, yeah. And, and at the same time, you have to have the presence of mind to, to think about what do I need to do? Um, and, and there's not really much capacity to do that. Does it, is it because the doing is, so yeah, is it, is it the doing of just having something to do so you don't have to sit in the reality or is it, you the responsibility of being the son in this moment oh for me it was it was the responsibility of being the son um so a few different factors that that i think were going on in my mind uh one i'm i'm an only child so it, it felt like everything was falling on my shoulders at that mm, point wow um I mean, I knew mom was there, but I felt like I needed to be there for her and with her, um, that this was not necessarily my grief, but it was. And, yeah. and, and that, was, that was confusing. Um, I, also, being a pastor, there, is, there was the um, feeling of, I'm supposed to know what to do in this situation. Yeah. Like it, generally, general population, you go through that and it's, it's okay if you don't know what to do. But there was some feeling of guilt that like, I'm supposed to know exactly what to do, what to say, how to feel. Um, but I didn't. Yeah. Um, Almost like they're like through your time in clergy that you were going to have the magic pill of being able to say the exact right things to both your mom and to yourself. Kind of, kind yeah. of, yeah. I mean, I, I, I did realize that there is n- there's nothing that you can say that, that is necessarily helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things that are not helpful are, oh, he's just in a better place. Yep. Um, there are a lot of expletives that come to mind whenever I hear that um, phrase. Like when, when people would say that to me, um, that, that just made me, that would make me really angry. Yeah. Cause Dr. Um, Dr. Payne, uh, one of our general or our, both of our friends, professor down at Denver seminary actually wrote that in his book, uh, when he was dealing with his brother's suicide, that he was like, that made me want to flip tables and punch people. Yes. Because that's not what I need to hear. Cause then you started thinking in his words, he started blaming God. 
And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. God needing him more than me. But no, I need him desperately here. And so where does that, like that idea that somebody, that God needed him more than I did. Yeah. And just going through those theological things that, yes, we hear what you're saying is the right thing. Probably shouldn't say anything. Yeah. Just, just yeah. be. I mean, it's just in my mind, whenever someone would say that, in my mind, I was just like, that is the dumbest thing that I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and, and you know, a part of that is just pure reaction because there is, there is truth in that. He is, you know, a strong believer and, and know where his faith and foundation is. And so it's, um, there, is, there is a true factor to it. Yeah. Um, but but it, it, it's not helpful in, in that particular moment. Of, of time. Yeah. So that's tough. Yeah. So, you know, one of the questions we were talking about pre, um, that we were talking about pre podcast was what is it like to lose somebody suddenly? And that's kind of where I feel like we took it for the first, um, bit of this podcast was all about, Hey, what does it mean for us to sit in the space of understanding that losing somebody suddenly can happen. Do you have any more comments on that, Lance? Because I know for myself, uh, when I lost my grandfather a couple months or a couple years ago, there was the tenderness of wondering. Or I don't want to keep using the word tenderness, but it was just like all of a sudden I I had the realization of I couldn't talk to him anymore. Like I would give back every single thing that he left me just to have one more conversation with him. Yep. Um, and just curious, was there any other sense, of, like that sense of loss that came with your dad passing? There was there was one distinct, and you know, one of the things that you just brought up is is the, you know, when when someone passes away and and they kind of linger for a while, and it's like man, you just want them to have relief from this life and the pain, mm, right? Yeah. There, there is that grief that there is a sense of whew, they are, they're in a better place, and, um, and that is a good thing because it's, it's, it's a bit of relief. Um, in the suddenness of what happened with us and the fact that Dad was in the operating room when he passed away, we were not there. No one was there with him that, um, that was close to him, just, you know, the doctors in the room. Yeah. Um, there was, because we, we are and were so close as a family, um, there, was a, there was a feeling of, I was sad that he didn't get to say goodbye. Oh. Um, that he was all alone when, when he crossed over. Yeah. Um, and that, so like he was, so yeah, like can you, can you, sorry, I cut you off, but like tease that out a little bit more. Cause yeah. it, I, I don't know. I don't know how much I can, but it, it, um, but there was a sense of we, uh, so th- this probably ties into the way that we always said goodbye on the phone. I, I know I am, certain that his last words to me were, I love you. Bye. Mm -hmm. Like that, because that's the way that we ended every conversation. And so having the phone call the day before, and, and I don't remember how we said goodbye, but I know for sure that's how it was. Um, because that's, 
that's what we always did. In, in that he went into the operating room expecting to come out and figure out what recovery looked like. Um, it was, that was hard for me to process to think that he did not get to say that final, I love you, goodbye. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that was hard. <laughs> Still yeah. is. Yeah. I think we all feel that. So as we, as you moved away, all the arrangements were, were done. Um, and you, and you come back to Colorado. Yeah. And I did his funeral too. That was, that was tough. Ooh. Um, he had asked me months before, you know, when I die, I want you to do my funeral. And I told him no. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good son. Should I, I, no. I was like, no, like we're not talking about this. We're that, that, you know, it's the furthest, furthest thing from my mind. I'm not, I, I don't want to go there. And so I told him no whenever he asked me to. But, but I did then, and I, and I shared stories that I knew that he talked about, sh- stories that he and I had shared in life. And um, I, I, I kind of, I did it because I know that he talked about our relationship um, a lot with other people. And so I wanted people to hear my side of the story in, in a way that affirmed that his life was consistent. Mm-hmm. There, there was, um, just because, because he was, he was, he was the same in public as he was in private and, um, it, with the family and, and with others, he was, he was just always the same. And, and I wanted to make sure that people saw that and, and hear the lessons that I took away from the stories in, that he told all the time and the lessons that he took away from those stories mm. because he was constantly learning as well. So, yeah. All right. So we're headed back to Colorado. No, I think, <laughs> I, I think the, that is one of the things that people who are not in our line of work will never fully understand of how hard that is. Because I also like had the experience of preaching both of my grandfathers. Well, so my two immediate grandpas and then a uh, the other side, my cousins, my aunt and uncle lived very close to us and I preached there, uh, his passing as well. And so there's just a lot of tenderness that comes with that of you're still emotionally raw and you're talking in front of 100 people. And so not even thinking straight. I mean, it's, it's a whirlwind and I appreciate you sharing that with us. I remember after this, a little bit after I was, um, going somewhere or I I think I was filling up the tank in, in, at a gas station somewhere Mm. and the, the, you know, gas station terminal thing says, what is your zip code? And I looked at that and I, I couldn't even remember my zip code. Like that was just like everything, all the anxiety and grief had pushed even those, those, those things that, that I just know secondhand, like it's just automatic. It had pushed those out of my consciousness. Yeah. So, so what was it like coming back to Colorado? I've called it, you know, when we were doing our pre or the, the, outline we're kind of working from I always I called it the aftermath because that's yeah. what it always felt like for me coming back from a funeral and everything it just feels like 
to be like your favorite brand of just an oasis of not knowing what's going on and you're just being out and not knowing what's happening. Yeah. Um, what was that like? What was that like coming back to being the pastor here at Conifer post your dad leaving and the influence that he had as also being a pastor and a mentor to you uh, as you? Yeah, that was, um, that was tough. That was one of the... Um, so it was just before Easter that he passed away. And so when I came back, I came back to Easter week. And um, that was that was a that was a tough for those tough of one. you for, for those of you who don't know, Easter week in a church Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. <laughs> it is Super Bowl and and it's supposed to be very exciting. Yes. <laughs> because I mean I mean the message of the resurrection is exciting. It's it's the central message of, of the Christian faith. Um, but that year was not not so exciting for me. And and I, I remember that Easter message. So I don't remember too many Easter messages that I've given over the course of of fifteen or sixteen years of, of preaching Easter Sundays. Um, but I remember that particular Easter Sunday because I preached it from the eyes of grief of the disciples and how confusing that would have been for them. Um, and, and so from, I just, I just basically took my own, the depths of my own grief and, and I said, here's the things that I'm feeling and here's what they had to be going through. Um, not that they went through exactly the same thing that I did, um, but but there are there are common things that that happen within grief that are just so confusing and dark and challenging and and just you know the questions that come to mind and and just how you just want to curl up in a corner and and not be around anybody um, and so and so I talked about the experience of grief for the disciples in, um, in the midst of moving through losing that person that they had followed for those three years of their life and, and pretty much given themselves to completely. Wow. Um, and then, you know, obviously the hope that is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they had hope that turned their story around, and it's the same hope that turns our story around today as well. Um, and, yeah. and so, and so I tried to incorporate that in, but I also do remember, um, distinctly the, the feeling of, I don't know if I can do my job now. Um, I, I, I remember thinking how, how am I going to be emotionally available for a congregation of people when I don't even know what to do right now myself. Wow. Um, and, and that was, that was a hard struggle for a good amount of time after I came back. Yeah. Were you able to do a, a sabbatical or take some time or was, I mean, I know you came back and preached Easter week. I wasn't here when this all happened. So yeah. I'm also learning just as many of the listeners are, but were you able to take some time to go mourn and have that space or did you have to kind of come back and resume your responsibilities. I don't, I don't remember I don't remember taking any time. Um you know I, yeah, I just don't I don't remember. I don't remember what I did and didn't do. Um I sought out um people that I can find comfort that I could find comfort from. Um being close to family was was very very important for me. So 
um, Melanie and the kids, um, I really leaned on them quite a bit. And, you know, I probably appreciated their presence even more so um, than I did before, just because everything, everything got put on a limited scale when, when dad died. Dad was the one, you know, he's always been there and mom too, but, but dad was gone now, but he had always been there. And, and so now death was, had become a reality. Like, like you, you realize that death is, is coming for each of us, right? There, There will be that day, but it really, we don't, we don't, accept that it's more it's more denial it's more like yes it'll I come can, but not yeah, right it'll now. come and and who will have to deal with it when it gets here but today i'm just gonna live and and i will tell you there has not been a day since then and this is six years later there has not been a day since then that i have not thought about my own mortality hmm. has that been heavy for you or is that oh, been- at times it is yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that's just, that's just one of those pieces that I carry with me from, from that time is, wow. um, yeah, I just, I just realize my day's coming at some point and I don't know when that is. Yeah. So in those times when you came back, what was like, I mean, we, we spoke about a little bit of how like people never they didn't say the right words, which there is no words that can be said that are going to be right. But what was it that did make a difference in the months? I mean, I always tell my premarital counseling folks that I do, like, what is the next Tuesday after you get back from your honeymoon look like? Yeah. And we actually walk through that like process of understanding that there is a new reality that was formed, but in your grieving, what was something, what were were the things that actually helped? Um, it wasn't anything that anybody said. Um, the things that other people did that were helpful were just like m- my wife just being there, just and and not feeling like she needed to say anything to make me feel better. Yeah, but just to be present. Okay. And I had and I had a friend too that that I went and I remember sitting at his house. And and just crying and, and saying, I don't know, I don't know what to do. I don't know, um, I don't know what's next. I don't know what life looks like now because it's because it's always looked differently than it does now. Mm. Um, and we cried, and and he gave me a big hug, and and it was, and he didn't try to counsel me through it or anything. It was just, it was just, he was there. And, and that presence is um, maybe the most important thing for other people to realize whenever, if someone's going through grief or if you're going through grief, yeah. um, just to have someone that can be present without feeling any obligation to, quote unquote, help you through it. Yeah. Um, but, but you just need, if you need to talk, you got someone there to talk to. If... Um, if you need to cry, you got somebody there that'll that'll sit there and and sit in the awkward time with you. Yeah. Um. And and certainly, you know, having having those close friends and and particularly my wife that that was right there. 
Um, one other thing. Yeah, go for it. That um, was strangely comforting. I I thought this was this was odd to me that that this was comforting. Um, and that is the creed, the Apostles' Creed. Oh, okay. I I just I I said that. Um, just as a mantra over and over and over again. And, and whenever I felt anxious or particularly troubled or particularly dark, I just started in, I believe in God, the father almighty maker of heaven and earth and Jesus Christ is only begotten son, our Lord. And, you know, I just went through the creed and the affirmation that, that God is, that he is overall, and and he is in all was very comforting and there was one of those one of those creed songs too I, it was um take I me higher <laughs> take me higher I, I don't know but you probably shouldn't sing Wes. that's that is also very yeah. very important <laughs> sorry if i just blew out your speakers <laughs> um it was it was the one michael tate i don't i don't remember newsboys isn't newsboys did they have a a um a creed song, I believe. Um, I can, anyway, it, it, that was out uh, during that time. And so that song, and then particularly the apostles creed. And, and that's what I think was most important was, was friends that were present, but then God who I knew was there and was not going to forsake me. And even in death and the suddenness of it and how changing that was for life, um, that did not he did not change, and um, and so finding finding hope there was was probably the most solid place that I leaned into, and and still even today, in in very difficult times, that's what I go to. That's what I go to. Yep. So I want to ask you one thing that I thought was an interesting follow up question towards you looking at the. So when you said how people's presence was so impactful, did you feel the need to isolate? Like, was there a pulling of like, oh, I want to be alone, but yet you for not forced yourself, but you knew community was the right way to go? Or was it like a healthy balance? Because I, I feel like there's that in between where some people feel like they need to isolate. And then there's the other side where you go too much into people and you're not able to process your grieving. Yeah. Um, if you don't see. remember, that's fine, too. I, I well, I remember not wanting to be around a lot of people. Certain people, I didn't. <laughs> there were probably <laughs> certain people that I didn't want to be around, but but there, I didn't want to be around a lot of people. Yeah. Um. And so isolation, to some degree, you know, I would I would just get by myself and um and just kind of get introspective in in that grief, but I also. Um, being a borderline extrovert, um, I will, in tough times, I will find people to, to be close to. Mm. And so, and so I would get close to my family. I would get close to my friends and, and the ones that I knew were supportive. They, I, I, I didn't expect them to tell me things that, you know, just, just happy thoughts or anything like that, but just that we're able to have the presence of mind to just be, yeah. Um, that was 
That was the most important. By the way, the song I think you were looking for was uh, We Believe by the Newsboys. That's the one. Um, the chorus goes, we believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And he has given us new life. Yep. That's so, the one. Yeah. Um, so let's fast forward. Thank you for still hanging on if you've been with us as we close into the 40-minute mark. Uh, but I think there's still a couple of good conversations we can have. So what is your, what is it like today, both as you've gone through that grieving and that process and that time and that season, as you now grieve with others who have passed away or who are dealing with uh, loss of loved ones? Um, so today I, I still, as I mentioned before, you know, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about death in particular. Um, and so not in, not in a morbid type way, but it just like a, it's, you know, someday and, and is that today? And I hope not, or, you yeah. know, whatever, but, but that, that still lingers on, um, as I walk through with other people, um, I, I, I guess I realize I, I'm not going to have those magic words, you know, the, the, um, the specific things that I'm going to say, but being with people, not having to say anything or just being there to pray with them. Um, you know, that I, I think that is the most important thing for, um, for them and then, and for me to do as, as the pastor. Yeah. Um, there are official things that have to happen, you know, with funerals and, and readings and, and, you know, different components of things that, that are going to happen. Um, but that just being present with, with people and, and allowing them to say what they need to say and, and move on. Yeah. Hmm. And I think that's such a tender place because it's not like a move on, like you're just changing out a t-shirt, um, or getting new clothes or, something like that, but there's also the grief of not being able to uh, put a time limit on how long you should be mourning right. through that. Yeah, Because I think that's the, the thing I've heard through my ministry experience is like, oh, that was six months ago, you should be over it by now, which yeah. is not true. And, right. you know, as you're personally grieving, those of you who are listening, you're, you're allowed to grieve as long as you need to. Continue to move forward, absolutely. But you're allowed to grieve. And what does even grieving look like as you continue to live life? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then I guess it's how are you still, how are you still grieving today? Because, and how, or is, how is that influencing your pastoral role? Because I know you mentioned that you now know it's just more about sitting with people. Yep. Ministry of presence is, is a lot more important today than it was before then, I guess. Hmm. Um, how am I? What was the question again? How am I grieving? How still? are you still How grieving? Still grieving. So you've mentioned just kind of to help you through that. What I was yeah. when I was envisioning is like you've talked about your own mortality and you've talked about yep. that aspect. Are there other things that kind of continue to cr- come up as like? Yeah, there's memories that that just fly in out of nowhere. I mean that, um, you know, just something happens and it triggers a a memory of. Um, something that, that we did together yeah. or some important time of life yeah. or even, you know, traveling on 
on a road trip and coming by a place that we would that we would go to that I don't go to a lot of times and and it just kind of throws you back and and makes you remember um a lot of those things and so and so there's that holding on to those good memories and then also the reality of that's not that's not in the cards right now Mm. and 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 yeah well, Lance, thank you. Uh, do you have any last comments you would like to share with those that are listening? Um, you know, I think two takeaways would be just the um, just if you have a friend that is grieving, or if you are grieving, find someone that you can just sit with, and and or be that person that they can sit with. Um, holding on to the. Um, the etern- eternality of God and, and knowing that he is there and present, um, I think is, is probably the most important thing is to lean into faith during, yeah. during that time. Um, and, you know, even, even if you have questions, if you have anger towards God, God is big enough to handle all of those things. Yeah. And, and God wants, as he is relational with us, he wants to be that presence as well. Yeah. Um, and, and he is that absolute presence. Yeah. And I think, I think about your comment towards like our doubts and our anger, it always seems like we want to run away or be like, Oh God can't handle that. There's a expression I use with our students of saying that God can handle our doubts and our angers. Yep. I mean, even if we need all to, of our questions, everything, he may not give us answers right away or yeah. give us clarity, but but he can certainly handle the weight of of our backlash. Yeah, and I think we see that it's healthy on some levels. If we look at many of the prophets, I think of Job, uh, Jeremiah, who would, you know, they would yell, they would have conversations, they would feel, and I'm saying yelling with reverence because the Psalms ends with all of those questions and doubts, but. Throughout all of the Psalms, even of lament, we know that the Lord is triumphing over everything. Yep. And that we have that security going forward. But I think this is a really interesting topic that we've gotten to talk about today. And I thank you for your vulnerability and your time to be with us here today. Uh, just a couple of closing thoughts. If you're going through something like this, um, and you're in our area, or if you're not, please reach out to the church. Um, we're pretty accessible either through services at nine o'clock on Sunday mornings or, um, via phone. We're always available. So as we get this opportunity to close, appreciate you hanging out with us and we'll talk soon. See you. Bye.